This podcast is the production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Every single person has to answer this question. Is there a being that exists outside of myself that we call God? And if that being exists, can he come into my life and affect me? I'm Dr. Sue Ellen Nolan, and this is my podcast, Authentic Faith in Life. Christ is the priest of all the sacraments, Father Benedict Rochelle. That's a quote from him. He's talking about how, how on the altar, it is Christ fully present. Even though we see a, a man there who is ordained and who is sacramentally prepared through the gift of his hands to bring forth the sacraments, it's actually Christ acting in that. And here's a couple quotes. This one is, it is Christ that acts on the altar today, but through the hands of the priest, he is present, the same now offering through the ministry of the priest who formally offered himself on the cross. That's from the Council of Trent, way back. Here's another quote from St. Seraphion. Accept therewith our hallowing too, as we say, Holy, holy, holy Lord, Sabaoth, heaven and earth is full of your glory. Heaven is full and full is the earth with your magnificent glory, Lord of virtues, Full also is the sacrifice with your strength and your communion. For to you we offer this living sacrifice, this unbloody oblation. That's from AD 350. The early church fathers, as usual, confirm the Mass and the Eucharist within their writings. Okay, we're going to look at the scripture related to the Last Supper. We know it's in the Gospels. John takes a different kind of direction on it, which we're going to talk about in detail. Let's just kind of go through them. You guys are pretty familiar with these scriptures. When I do a teaching on the Eucharist, and we try and learn some apologetics related to it, this is the first, we're going to do three sets of scriptures to kind of understand where Christ is in scripture in the Eucharist. Um, This is the first scripture. It's the Last Supper. Which, whichever gospel that you take it from, the first place you go if you're going to teach somebody about the, the Eucharist and Christ in the Eucharist, it's going to be the Last Supper. So we're going to read them from the, from the three different gospels. This is from Mark 14, 22 through 24. While they were eating, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, gave it to them and said, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which will be shed for many. And here's from Matthew 26, 26 to 28. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and giving it to his disciples said, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which will be shed on behalf of many for the forgiveness of sins. And you see again the four same statements from the road to Emmaus that we see after the the resurrection. Here's the, the gospel of Luke. He, Jesus, said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I shall not eat it again until there is fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you that from this time on I shall not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took the bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which will be given for you. Do this in memory of me. 
and likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which will be shed for you. Okay, here's, here's again a little bit of what we talked about with the Passover meal. What is it? We know it's a sacrificial meal. It's also a deliverance from bondage. We see that death becomes life for them in the Passover. Death becomes life as well with the bread of life and with the Last Supper and all through the Paschal Mystery. Death is transformed to life through Christ, fulfilling that, that through the New Testament. Only the manner of the offering is different. The sacrifice of Christ and the sacrifice of the Eucharist are one single sacrifice. The victim is one and the same. The same now offers through the ministry of priests who then offered himself on the cross. Only the manner of offering is different. And since this is divine sacrifice, which is celebrated in the Mass, the same Christ who offered himself once in a bloody manner on the altar of the cross is contained and offered in an unbloody manner. And that's in the Catechism again. I think it's 1367. We see that the, the, the blood on the cross goes to the unbloody host. We see that the priesthood of Christ is forever. It's perpetually and eternally ongoing. That's why the participation in the Mass, again, is perpetually and eternally ongoing. We check into it as it's presented on the altar. We see the sacrifice of the cross and the sacrifice of the Eucharist are one single sacrifice in a representation. We hear the words of the priest, with him, through him, and in him. And we understand that the word Eucharist, which means thanksgiving, it's for God's ultimate plan of love for us and for Christ's obedience. And again, that always takes us to the crucifix and Christ on the cross because, again, we see that obedience of Christ through the love of God and what bursts through that is the birth of the Holy Spirit. And so Eucharist and Thanksgiving means that when we participate in the Mass, in that eternal worship that happens, we give thanks. We give thanks. We are thankful for what he's done for us. And here's a couple of quotes. Um, Hebrews 7, 26, 27 says, For it was fitting that we should have a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily like those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, because he did this once for all when he offered up himself. That's from Hebrews 7. And again from the Council of Trent. And inasmuch as in this divine sacrifice, which is celebrated in the Mass, is contained and emoliated in an unbloody manner, the same Christ who once offered himself in a bloody manner on the altar, the cross, the Holy Council teaches that this is truly proprietary, for the victim is one and the same, the same now offering by the ministry of the priest who then offered himself on the cross, the manner of loan being different. So we see the power of what happens on the cross, and we also see it in the power of what happens on the altar. And again, it's not a coincidence that we see Christ and he teaches and there's his word that comes forth. And we know in the Mass we have the liturgy of the word. We see it perfectly in the road to Emmaus that he gives them the word. He presents them with the word. He opens the scripture to them. And then he eats with them. He invites them in for a meal. And that's the second part of the Mass, which is the liturgy of the Eucharist. It's so beautiful that our liturgy is all tied up in 
Old and New Testament theology. We see it in the early church writings. We see it in the great spiritual writers. It's all tied up. It's all there. It's the Catholic faith. It's so powerful. It's so beautiful. It is Thanksgiving. It is Thanksgiving that we get to participate in that, in the Mass. Mass is the greatest act of worship the world has ever known. The greatest act of worship the world has ever known. Just think about it, what happens on that altar. We know through Christ's suffering that the greatest evil happens on that cross. But again, God in his ultimate plan of love pulls from that the greatest good that could ever exist. He redeems man. He redeems sin. He redeems death. And he redeems our suffering. It doesn't get any bigger than that. I'm going to read the Bread of Life Discourse. Just some key points in it. If we're going to defend the Eucharist, then this is the, the second scripture. It's John 6, 22 through a bunch of verses. But we're just going to read through some of them. I encourage you to read through it. It is the most powerful scripture that exists, I believe, because it unfolds for us as Catholics the truth in the Eucharist and the truth in what Jesus did to make his church visible and invisible. It's such a paradigm in that visible church and the invisible church, the visible host, the invisible body and blood of Christ. So, okay, we're going to talk about um, some of the scripture that Jesus says. This is after he's fed the 5,000 people have gathered because they want to know what he's got going on. And he says to them, he talks about the manna, and he ends up saying again and again, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. He goes on to say, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And he's, he's so scandalous in the things that he says because he continues to say, eat my flesh and drink my blood. He continues to speak this within the scripture to the Jewish people that are gathered. They believe this is an abomination, what he is saying. In fact, they question this. Is this the son of Joseph? How can he be saying these things? And you guys probably know the story. They can't handle it. They can't comprehend what he's saying to them. And so thousands leave at that point because he's literally saying whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him on the last day for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him and he continues and as they leave he doesn't correct them he doesn't call them back they go we can only hope that later on at the resurrection they understand the full meaning of what Christ was doing at this point in time, that he was instituting the Eucharist in the Bread of Life discourse and clarifying the meaning, the true meaning of it. So I encourage you to read, to read that scripture. The third scripture that I would go to is the, the tradition of the institution, which is 1 Corinthians 11.23. We have St. Paul talking about what he's received from Christ. So we're just going to go through this again briefly. And he, and he repeats what has been taught him through either the infusion of what happened when he was knocked off of his horse and could not speak for days. We know that there was an infusion of knowledge from him or what he, what he learned through teaching. But he continues to say what Christ said. Uh, this is my body that is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also the cup after supper saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. Very beautiful scripture. Again, it's a confirmation throughout scripture, the Eucharist is present within our Bibles. It's right there. And the early church fathers confirm what we have come to believe as Catholics. I'm going to 
end on just some things to take away, to be left with during the end of this Lenten season. God loves us so much that he's had an ultimate plan for our salvation from the beginning of time. And he worked it out for us so that we could be within this covenantal relationship of love with him. He calls us into creation with love, through love, and we get eternal love with him. Again, according to his son and our likeness as we follow him in following what he taught us, and that's obedience. We are not the ministerial priesthood, but we share in the priestly office and our sacrifices are taken up into heaven in the Paschal Mystery, as we talked about in Mass. We are meant to help consecrate the world in our day-to-day lives. The priesthood consecrates us through the Eucharist on the altar. We take it out the door and bring it to our daily lives. So we have a serious job as well to consecrate the world in our daily activities. God is really present He is real and really present in our life today, especially in the Mass. Heaven is present and real. We don't have to wait until we die to participate in heaven. We have the gift of that participation right now, every day, in the Mass. It doesn't get any better than that. We are commissioned to take the Gospel out into the world, and He will equip us as well as He equipped the Apostles. We are called to mission to do that as Catholics. At the end of the discourse, uh, the Bread of Life discourse, we hear after all the people have left and Jesus is there, he turns to St. Peter and he asks this question to him, are you going to leave too? And this is my favorite scripture in the Gospels. And St. Peter turns to Christ and says, where shall we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Dr. Sue Ellen Nolan at Authentic Faith and Life on the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. You can find out more about me and my workshops and speaking events at AuthenticFaithAndLife.info.